Hey, welcome to the Cosmic Car Wash Podcast. Uh, as in weeks past, I am Paul Daly. This is my good friend, Rick Kaiser. Hey. And I'm very glad to be back. Yeah, we were just praying before this, Rick, and I think you said it really well that uh, it's been over a month, but now it feels like minutes. Right. And uh, yeah, it's like that baseball glove that you've worn for years and years and is perfectly formed to your hand. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's good. This is, uh, it's good to be back. And man, what a month or month and a half it's been. Uh, both of us have had big stuff going on in our lives. And yes, we've kind of kept in touch with one another, um, <clears throat> working this stuff out in real time. You know, how we deal with life and complications and disappointments and other people's agendas and all of the goings on outside of Eden. How do we be Eden outside of Eden? <laughs> that's, yes, that's the $64,000 question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, we've actually got a playlist, you know, so anybody that wants to go see the Eden episodes, we'll add this to uh, the Eden Another. episodes playlist of our podcast, only on YouTube. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Google or wherever else, uh, just fish through the titles and find the ones that talk about Eden. And those are the Eden episodes. So easy enough. But, uh, yeah. So I guess I'll just kind of kick it off. And, you know, yeah. the big thing for me in the last, well, it's been more than a month uh, that we've been working through this, Amy and I and my family, but on Labor Day, uh, my father passed away. I mean, you know that, but for the sake of our right. lives of listeners, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it was obviously very sad. My dad and I were really close, and even though he lived in Missouri and I'm here in Virginia, uh, we frequently no, had... You're in Michigan. Oh, I'm in Michigan. What did I say? Virginia. <laughs> oh, you're in Virginia. Right. I'm in Michigan. That's the t-shirt, you know. <laughs> Maybe it's been longer than we think. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? Where am I? What am I doing? <laughs> It's like had an Admiral Stockdale moment there for a moment. <laughs> that maybe you move like are you across the street. Uh, my dad was in Missouri. I have been in Michigan for the last five years, and uh, but we'd have these really wonderful conversations. You know, just get on the phone and talk for hours uh, sometimes about uh, the kingdom of God and life and how we do life in the kingdom of God, but in the world and just, you know, really beautiful stuff. Well, in, uh, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer back in March and five months and a week. And he went home. Oh, not home. He went to heaven. Uh, he entered the renewal of all things and there I'm looking forward to seeing him again sometime and having more conversations like that as we walk and talk through the renewed earth, but um, it was just, yeah, it was a sad time, but it was also really beautiful. Um, and I'm sure as the weeks and months and years go on, I'll continue to reflect on uh, the moments just before he, his, his body gave up. Uh, it was my mom and Amy and I uh, there in the room with him. Uh, we never had to send him to a nursing home. He got to stay in his home until he passed. Uh, but we had worship music playing and just, you know, we we're holding his hands and we we're crying our tears and 
letting him know it's okay. You know, thank you for the the heritage that you mm-hmm. are leaving us with, uh, an amazing godly heritage. Um, interestingly, um, in the months that my dad's body was winding down spiritually, he was speeding up. Excuse Bless me. You. Bless you. He was, yeah, he was getting stronger. Uh, it was a really interesting dichotomy to see his body losing to the cancer, but spiritually, man, he was glow- growing by leaps and bounds, and it was really awesome. Wow. Um, he preached a really amazing sermon uh, on Psalm 34 about two weeks before he died, and we got to record it, uh, which was really amazing. So I have that as a wonderful memory to to cherish. Um, but yeah, in the moments before he passed, we were listening to worship music and Rick, the presence of God was so thick, so heavy in that room. We were listening to the Bethel music song. Um, it is well, yes. know, kind of a riff on the old hymn. Beautiful song. Um, oh my gosh. And it was almost like it was something scripted in a movie. Like we listened to the song once through and then we listened to it again. And just about. I don't know. My dad took his last breath and we're all just watching kind of closely. And he took his last breath, the music faded out and then it was just silence. And we couldn't talk for probably 10 minutes afterward. Just the presence of God was so strong. And I thought, what an honor that the King of Kings would attend my dad's graduation to the renewal of all things. It was awesome. but. As we were looking to him passing, and then in the days and weeks following, my mom kept re, uh, reciting this verse, First um, Thessalonians four thirteen through fourteen. Paul writes to the, the the Thessalonian church and says, "And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns." God will bring back with him the believers who have died. And she just kept saying that over and over again. We don't grieve like those who have no hope. You know, so, of course, we're sad. Of course, we miss him. But we don't grieve like those who have no hope because our hope in the resurrection and the renewal of all things and the return of all of heaven to earth, just what Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That for me was kind of a doorway into, okay, how do I start to grieve my father's passing and feel all the things that are natural to feel when somebody you love dies, but also maintain the hope that we have because of what Jesus did and because of the future that we know is coming to us, you know, the renewal of all things. So more I can say about it as we go through this, but uh, that's for me kind of the doorway into how do we go through this and be Eden outside of Eden? And so I'd love to hear, you know, and I think others that are listening to this would benefit from hearing the things that you've been going through and how you're working all this out in your own life. So. Well, working out would be, a... <laughs> it's not a perfect process, right? It's a nice way of saying, I appreciate that <laughs> working out. Um, I ran across this uh, Emily Dickinson poem. And uh, most people are familiar that, uh, and it's called Eden is that old fashioned house. Mm. 
And she said, she wrote, Eden is that old-fashioned house we dwell in every day without suspecting our abode until we drive away. How fair on looking back the day we sauntered from the door, unconscious our returning, but discover it no more. Um, I'm not sure. I've not done any deep dives on because everybody I'm sure has an interpretation of what Emily wrote in the 1800s. Um, but I just thought it was interesting considering I knew that, you know, we were going to talk about a few things that, um, that you and I have been going through yours. I think so much, um, I guess more, uh, painful for lack of a better word, but just your story and your testimony is so powerful, Paul. I think that there are many people out there that really need to hear it and what that should be like. And it, you know, as sorrowful as it is, you're right. No matter how long a life, it's never long enough for those that are left behind. And yeah. sorrow is never kind enough to kill you. Yeah. It's just part of that grieving process. Um, um, you know, I just, I think of Jesus on the cross and the pain that he went through and, you know, and his father was right there. You know, some people seem to believe that God turned his face away from his son. Uh, God was hanging on the cross with him. Yes. That was the son of God. That was God. He told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So, yeah. you know, uh, grieving is what happened when Eden fell. I mean, Eden didn't fall, but grieving is what happened when Adam and, and Eve fell. That's when that started. Before that, there was no grief. Right. There was no grieving. And um, so life outside of Eden, outside the garden, I mean, it really was the garden of delight, the garden of pleasure. Yeah. And uh, our nature and our needs have, have not really changed. Our environment did. And uh, so that's where we are. And that's where we have been ever since that day when they walked out of the garden. Our yeah. environment changed and everything changed then. And um except that our, our nature and our needs have really been the same. They were same in the garden, except for just that one bite. And I'm trying to say something. And I don't think I'm really saying it, but not to get preachy or anything, but, you know, talking about this last month where you and I have been, and um, my heart has been with you through this whole thing. And Jen and I have prayed dearly. And I wept on the porch one morning after talking with you on the phone. And I, um, uh, you know, not comparatively speaking, but when my mom passed, no one was there. Mm -hmm. She died alone. And uh, so I see and I hear things like that. And um, it just wrecks me because that's what I so wished for. But we were never given that opportunity. So that is a, it is a blessing. And it, again, as painful as it is, it's, um, it's an inheritance and a legacy that you can't even put a price on. So um, I am just very grateful for that testimony and, and that things can be different. They don't have to be that way. But in the meantime, while you were going through that, we lost another pastor. <laughs> so we are now on our fourth one in eight years. And uh, that's not a good track record. Um, yeah. So what has happened be from that, and uh, our good friend Joey have been 
contact with him. He's a pastor, local pastor here, and uh, just a beautiful guy, man. Just a yeah, beautiful heart, you know? And yep. uh, yeah, I'm telling you, he's really helped me. You guys have all helped me, you and him and and whoever else will listen to me. <laughs> without going good shut up <laughs> you know anyway we have uh, it, I, it was one of those it was kind of the last straw and joey said something to me that because I, I had one foot out the door i was I was ready to go and right. you know pull up yeah pull up 10 stakes and go find another place to set my tent up and and he said rick who's to say that god has not had you here for these eight years preparing you for such a time as this mm. justice is never comfortable right but it's necessary right and and it really struck home with me i think a tim ballard um the guy that uh what's the name of that movie uh he rescues the uh oh um sound of freedom sound of freedom that's it yeah and uh <clears throat> that's justice yeah. i'm sure it's I'm sure he's been in some really uncomfortable places as long as, uh, as well as the victims, but see, justice has got to be served. And, uh, you know, not that I'm a, you know, vigilante here, but it, this whole thing culminated into a people finally ha having enough of some very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, poor leadership is a poor description. It, it uh, bordered on uh, tyrannical and corrupt and mm. sometimes insidious and very, very self-serving. And uh, so we, uh, we took some steps and got some signatures and um, we uh, petitioned the district in Southside Virginia, Powhatan District, and they are coming to set things right. And by setting things right, they are making a change to all the leadership. And so still nobody wins. Right. No one won. Right. But my my uh, struggle was with some of you know the people and even I was tempted to is to take that step and just walk away. And people have said, you know, I'm voting with my feet. You know, feet don't vote. Right. Feet either stand still or they run. Right. So, but I woke one night about three in the morning and I just, my wheels were turning and I was, you know, you picture yourself doing a thousand different things, you know, from standing and, you know, on a soapbox and demanding a call for a vote of no confidence. And, you right. know, yes. What say you? <laughs> Won't say you, you know, like a town crier. And I yeah. really felt like I really do. The Lord put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Rick, let me do this. Mm, you know, good. and yeah. And it, and the thing that wrecked me, Paul, was that he knew my name. He, didn't say, he, excuse, did. he didn't say, excuse me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guy. <laughs> hey, dude. You over there in the corner. <laughs> Yeah, you, weenie whining in the bedroom. Shut up and let me take care of this. Yes, sir. Yeah, he knew my name. And it just really wrecked me. It broke me. Um, so, gosh, I had something else I was going to say and my train derailed. Oh, 
Part of that though, Paul, and I've shared this with you many times and, and a lot of other people, but four and a half years ago, approximately, um, I finally led worship. I've been a part of the worship team for eight years since we walked in the door. <clears throat> Just plug me in where you need me, bass, guitar, whatever. And uh, it was, uh, there was a lot of things that uh, left a lot to be desired. And uh, it just a, a, a system of uh, entitlement. And uh, when people get into a position and they refuse, they hold on to it like this. Yep. You know, and so you and I have, we have that open hand. Open and it's something hands. you got to do every day. I do it every single day on the porch. Yes. You know, as long as it's not storming. Right. But open hands, hold everything with open hands. And uh, I mentioned on a Monday, because I had led worship on Sunday. It was a random thing. Can you do this? I'm like, yeah, I'd be honored. I did it. I stood right in front of those windows. I'm talking to God like I'm talking to you. And I just casually said, you know, man, I had such a great time, Lord. Sometimes that's how I talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I had such a great time. It was such an honor, Lord. I just really appreciate that. You know, and I, and I wouldn't mind co-leading. And then I kept on talking about other things and praying and everything. About 36 hours later, my phone rang. I said nothing to anyone. Right. Nothing. And the person on the other end of the phone said, I can't shake this. I can't waking up at night, but I... I feel like the Lord's telling me you're supposed to co-lead. And I just literally went, okay, let me tell you something. <laughs> right. So it started really well. Um, it was not received well. People quit, you know. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And I, there was a lot of, oh, uh, uh, horrible things said about me. And um, people did. They left. Some people took their gear and left the church. And hmm. I, at one point, I had been playing either guitar or bass, standing on that platform for four years, Paul. And uh, I went to every practice, showed up for every Sunday that I was scheduled. And if I wasn't scheduled, I was there in the congregation. And um, just because of that one move, and uh, I literally thought, why did I do this? What have I got myself into? But all I could think, keep thinking of was God said yes. God said and yes. I didn't ask anyone. Okay. But, but him. And um, and then things went, really went south. And the leader who had, you know, asked me to become a co-leader, then she went, yeah, she did a complete 180 and no, and didn't want there anymore. And, and it got ugly. And um, I was sitting on my couch one morning and praying and just talking to God. And before I could even say a word, he interrupted me and he goes, next time, don't ask for half. And I chuckled and then it, the realization hit me and I went, you're right. That's exactly what I did. I asked for half because I don't want to take something that doesn't belong to me. And it was very awkward and uncomfortable at the time. So I, I said, okay, Lord. And even it still bothers me today to say it this way, uh, but I said, I want it all. I want to lead worship. And uh, boy, it took some time. Pandemic hit. The first Sunday I led worship was the last Sunday we had church inside. <laughs> Doors closed in the parking lot. And we, you know, figuratively speaking, got kicked to the curb. Mm -hmm. And we watched the wacky races. Everybody was fighting for this, you know, um, 
coveted, I guess, mythical position of being the worship leaders. And right. it just really turned into a train wreck. And I kept saying, I told Janet, I said, calmness will lay great errors to rest. Yes. And so as calm as we remain, the faster people will turn on turn on themselves and devour one another. And boy, that's exactly what happened. But even through that, there came a point where I was ready, had one foot out the door, but I couldn't because I kept hearing it. God said, yes, God said, yes. And so even now, you know, after we lost the preacher and the guy could preach lights out, he yeah. was a great preacher, really was good. I'm going to miss him. And um, I thought, I can't keep doing this. And I, you know what I kept here? God said yes. said yes. So you gave me a picture of Simeon because Simeon has been, you know, kind of, if, you know, if, if the Bible had baseball cards, I'd have Simeon's. On the top. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, check it out, man. I got Simeon, dude. <laughs> yeah, he would be my favorite baseball card because he went to the temple every single day, Paul, just to hold a baby. Yeah. That's all he did. He didn't want a Learjet. He didn't want a record deal. He didn't six want six flags a, over Jesus. He didn't want six flags over Jesus. <laughs> you know, he didn't want uh, you know book signings. Didn't uh, want yeah start churches all over the world and, and be called apostle um, Simeon. He just wanted to hold the Christ. He held God in his hand. Mm. He held the future of revival. He held the king of Eden. He held the great renewal in his hands, just like this. The cradle of creation. Yes. Ooh, that baby's forehead. Oh, my gosh. And said, thank you. Wow. And that's that was it. it. That was and it. And that just wrecks me every time I think of him. And I see that picture that you gave me. It's on hanging in the in my home and i think that even after all this is said and done i've told god is that you know what i don't have to see the end result because i already know the end result and i think simeon knew that too he yeah. knew the end result he knew eden was coming and he lived his whole life outside of eden but he lived like eden he lived like eden was on its way and um Boy, I wish I had greater things to say. You know what? It, actually, I have one more thing, and I'll kick it over to you. I don't want to, you know, Bogart the podcast, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's um, all good. This is good stuff. Yeah. I think of, also think of Psalms 23, you know, and that's one everybody seems to know or does know. It's just a, it's a beautiful song written by David. Um, but it's the end that gets me. When he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah. And uh, a lot of theologians, I wrote about this in, my, uh, in our devotion this morning, is that a lot of theologians believe that David was fleeing Jerusalem with Absalom hot on his heels when he wrote mm. that. And that, you know, he was looking back to simpler times, you know, when the crown was not so heavy when things were not so convoluted and difficult and back when <clears throat> oh let me see what i wrote um you know when he slept under a blanket of stars a time when the emerald earth was his bed and the sky above was his ceiling 
the mm. sound of bleeding sheep and babbling brooks accompanied accompanied his guitar as he penned poetry and song in the wilderness. Here he was someone. He preferred the solitude of the pasture instead of the cacophony of sibling rivalry and the competitive barking for affirmation. Here he was a shepherd, a protector, a provider, a champion, a father. He needed no political allies, no dubious counsel, no unscrupulous soothsayers. He had a guitar, a sling, a purpose, and the presence of God, and he was content. He learned to worship and he learned courage. He learned to lead because he learned how to follow. And the goodness and mercy following him taught him to be a shepherd long before he became a king. Mm. And I finished it with what is following you. And uh, I think of Simeon, I think in David in that time, and that um, Eden is following you and I, Paul. Yeah. At the same time, we are following Eden. And life outside of Eden is not as difficult as uh, I think as it appears. I mean, that's kind of a big statement to say. Right. We're, we don't face anything that no one before us has and no right. one ahead of us will. Every prophet, every king, every priest, every preacher, every human being since Adam took a bite. Right. has lived outside of Eden, yet God continually, he, he, I mean, obsessed is, doesn't really fit God's, but then again, does, you know, does it to say God is obsessed or obsessive, but I think his, he is so laser focused. Fanatical and, about the restoration of Eden. Yes. And my gosh, that's just, that's that. That's that baby, yeah. dude. Right now, you and I, we are holding Eden like Simeon did. Yeah. And uh, whether we see it on this side or the next side, we're going to see it. Yeah. And uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. This is good. And I think this, I wasn't quite sure where we'd go with this. You know, you and I have a minimal script for these right. episodes, but then we just launch in and kind of. You know, this is a very dynamic and uh, organic discussion. Um, I like that that's our style. I felt bad about that at first. Like, maybe we should be more scripted. And But I think, yeah, we just I like talk. the way we do it. Yeah. This is how we talk all the time, though. It, it is. It is. Um, yeah. You know, I was up this morning um, tending to our new puppy. That's another thing we did in the last month. You know, my father passed away. I'm grieving his loss. I'm learning to, you know, do life without my dad in there. And Hey, let's throw a puppy into the mix. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been a lot of fun. It's been, Mm -hmm. Oh, it's been crazy, but he's cute. We love him. Anyway, he's in barks all the time. We're making good progress, though. Amy mentioned this morning, she's like, it's been a month. I'm like, it's only been a month? It feels like a lot longer than a month. But, um, no, so I was up this morning tending to the puppy and doing my quiet time and um, came across uh, a Dallas Willard teaching. Um, I'm so grateful that most everything that Dallas Willard taught is available on f- for free yeah. on YouTube. Like, what a gift and treasure. But anyway... Um, 
and I, I was kind of thinking, well, I was, I was thinking about this episode coming up and what does it mean to be Eden outside of Eden? And another way that we can frame that, uh, which is what led me down this path of looking for something from Dallas Willard is how do we reign in life? Um, and Paul wrote that in um, Romans chapter five, verses three and four. He And it just speaks exactly to what you and I are, are talking about here. Paul wrote, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And then he goes on a little bit later in that chapter to say uh, in verse 17, for the son of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. And Dallas Willard, if you haven't heard of Dallas Willard, if you're watching this and you're like, who is this guy they're talking about? Just Google him and read and watch everything he's ever said because just beautiful. But um, he was talking about discipleship and how do we become people who just naturally do the things that Jesus said. And uh, he made the statement that what we're looking for in our lives, what God's looking for in our lives is progress and routine, easy obedience to what Jesus said to do. And he said, for example, Jesus hanging on the cross said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. That was easy for Jesus to say that. It wasn't he didn't have to force himself because he had lived his entire life in perfect agreement with the will of the, of his father. So when wow. he was hanging on the cross, that's just naturally what came out. What the hard thing would have been for Jesus to say, Oh, wait till God comes and gets you. He's going to strike, you know, no, Jesus oozed love and compassion and forgiveness, even as he was being violently murdered. Wow. And I thought that's how, we be Eden. That's how we are Eden outside of Eden, be Eden outside of Eden. That's how we're Eden outside of Eden. That's how is to spend so much time inundating ourselves with the word of God and in prayer and in fellowship with other people like you and I get a chance to do with Rick and, or with Preston and Joey and the other people on our devotions, just constantly going through scripture. And this is what I'm seeing and this is what I'm hearing. And this is what it means to me. And little by little, God's building his nature in us so that when we get to that moment where our church is falling apart around us or somebody we love passes away and we're grieving, when we're pressed, Eden comes out. There you go. We don't have to make ourselves, you know, this is, that's, that's, that's how we do it. It's, it's the nature of Christ in us. We're being trained for routine, easy obedience. That's beautiful. What Jesus said. Yeah, I really, really like that. You know what I've noticed too over the last couple of months, Paul, is proximity. I've okay. noticed my own proximity to where I am and where God is. And mm. I felt myself drifting and then coming back. And so yeah. more and more, even through the day, throughout the middle of the day, you know, um, in the thick of whatever it is I'm doing, I, I have began to become more cognizant and aware of where's God. Oh, that's good. And, that's really um, good. And, yeah, and it's, um, I want it to be that way. I want that now. It's 
you know, my day doesn't begin and end with a devotion and religious calisthenics and, uh, Oh man. <laughs> and, and I'm off doing my own thing and then wonder right. why everything falls apart. You know, and I've had some rough goes, man. I've had some rough days. I told you, well, just a couple of weeks ago, I yelled at God <laughs> and I, I yelled at him. I wasn't, you know, derogatory. I wasn't, I wasn't shaking my tiny little fist, you know, I just got so frustrated because everything just collapsed and fell apart on top of everything else. And um, I just said, come on, God. I said it just except much, much louder. You know, I was home alone, you know, and within minutes, I was standing over on the other end of the table with my head down like a little kid just got caught stealing cookies. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I was just, and I was so sorry. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's always been so kind to me. Yeah. He is unfailingly kind. Dude. And yeah. it just wrecks me when I think of that. And he wasn't like, you piece of <laughs> It wasn't. <laughs> Flick. <laughs> like <a> dust might. <laughs> God. <laughs> He's just kind. He's very kind. He's so patient, and it just wrecks me. Mm. And uh, I, uh, but it was something you said a while back, not to change the subject or anything, but we were talking about, um, you know, indicting God, putting yeah. him on trial, and man, that put God on trial, Paul, that so convicted me, and it continues to, and I don't ever want it to stop convicting me. Right. And uh, because he's so kind, he's been so kind to me and it yeah. just wrecked me. But, you know, it lines up again with the scripture. And he says that, it, it, you know, Paul said it's, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness. It's yes. not his bony finger. It's not the threat of global annihilation or, you know, right. the earth becoming the smoldering charcoal briquette spinning through a riotous cosmos. It's his kindness that yes. does not fear, not where are you going to go when you die? Do you want to go to hell or do you want to go to heaven? You know, it's not making the grave our salvation. It is the resurrection and the promise of eternal life. Right. And um, and that, yeah. that's all his kindness. That's it. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what right. did we see from Jesus? We saw kindness, forgiveness, compassion, mercy, healing, salvation, deliverance, blind eyes opened. That's what, that's what it is. And I was, you and I were talking yesterday morning, I was listening to uh, another preacher who shall be remain anonymous yes. uh, online. And he made the statement, he was talking about revelation and, you know, the earth is going to be blasted with the nost with God's nostrils. And, you know, and that's after Satan has his way with the world. And it left me thinking, man, if I'm a new Christian and I'm looking for some hope and some rescue, I don't know whether to run to God or from God or who's against me or for me. Is it the devil? I don't know. You know, Curl that's not what we saw from Jesus. That's not what no. we saw from Jesus. I know. So. And he, and he rose. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the hope. It's, you know, it's, it's funny that you, you know, when you said my dad went home and then you stopped and rephrased that because that's not home. Right. N.T. Wright said, heaven's important, but it's not the end of the world. I know. I love that. I quote that all the time. <laughs> yeah. Home's right here. 
This Almost is here. Yeah. 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 You know, it's the Ruach of God. Yeah. And uh, what else did I wrote? Um, right. What else did I wrote? What else did I write? You know, part of uh, the thing of, I, I guess maybe this could be like a back check, you know, that check that we need sometimes. But our nature and needs have basically remained the same from generation to generation. It's the environment that affects us. Yeah. You know, that environment has a lot to do with our decisions. And uh, um, and even even then, in the environment, you'll never hear the environment applaud when we succeed. Right. Or, you know, or, uh, you know, catcall and jeer us when we fail. Um but it's because of that, I think, that so many people, and we try, and I'm just as guilty, is to recreate places of solitude, places of peace, of rest and hope. And, but we're, we try to, and we've talked about this many times, we try to, it's basically like trying to create Eden without the Ruach of God, without yeah. the wind of God. And that's when we end up with Babylon. Yeah. And um, and again, it's not a uh, this fearful thing, you know. When Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail, it wasn't the church cowering under a rock. It right. was the church is it's the church delivering the beating. Yeah, I love the way know. Michael Heiser said that. The church <laughs> is the one delivering the beating and the gates of hell will not prevail. There you go. I love that. Yeah. And that's what we have. And that that is life outside of Eden. Yeah. Are you taking a beating or are you giving one? <laughs> right. Yeah, not literally for listeners. <laughs> Right. Yeah. We're not advocating. Yeah. Yeah. Putting a hurt on anybody. Right. So living like Eden is giving the gates of hell a beating. Yeah. That's which how. is. Yeah. Which Jesus did through act an act oh. of self-giving love. That's that's warfare in the kingdom of God is love in the face of hate and mercy in the face of judgment and kindness in the face of cruelty. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's it. That's, that's it right there. That's life outside of Eden. That's yeah. how Eden continues to grow. And yeah. I think that Eden is here because of, you know, Jesus said uh, that he'll come and, and make his home in each one of us. So that yes. means that sanctuary is in us. The garden starts yeah. in us. And I, I really believe that, that there is some truth to that, that the more that it is uh, disseminated and, and shared and, and grabbed the hold of. And the more that, you know, again, for lack of a better word, we combat this message of escapism and annihilation. And, um, you know, my gosh, uh, universe crushing apocalypses, right? Is that the more hope will arise from that. And that's what Eden is until yeah. it's, till it truly begins to cover the earth and in that is when heaven and earth come together and God yeah. steps back into Eden. Yeah. Wow. Oof. That's, That's pretty good. cool. That's good. Yeah. All right. That feels like a good place to wrap it. I think so. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for jumping back in and doing this with me. And oh. for anybody anywhere in the world speaking any language that's watching this, thank you so much for taking time. We know that there's a zillion different things that you could be watching and are listening to, and we appreciate you spending time here. Um, you can obviously tell neither one of us are scholars or theologians, but we are warrior poets. I there will proudly wear that moniker. We are warrior oh, yeah. poets. And uh, 
we would love to hear with you, reach out to you. You know, you can get a hold of us at info at the cosmiccarwash.com or leave comments uh, on the video. Um, love to get you into our devotional, yes. kind of our little oikos that we've got there through the Version Bible app and uh, invite you in. And that's just a great place for us to interact. It's as you, you know, remind people it's, there's no set schedule. If you're a morning person, you can read and comment in the morning or in the evening, or you can just read the stuff that other people comment and you don't have to say anything, you know? Exactly. Yeah. We have a lot of people like that. Cost you $0 and zero cents. Yes. So, um, yeah. Thank you, my friend. This is good. And Oh yes. (laughs) It's been a while. I almost forgot. The last thing we always say, I think you should say it. Oh, yeah. I get a turn. You get a turn. (laughs) Well, thank you. I humbly accept. God is not mad at you. Yes, that's right. He's He's not not angry. All right. I love you, my friend. Thank you. Love you too, man.